Give him a warm welcome. Amen, Brother Gary. Thank you so much. Uh, Pastor, you are kind. I'll give you your glasses so if you need <laughs> to you, see sir. me. You are, you are kind, Brother. You are quite kind. It is, it is a blessing and a pleasure to be here with you today. I am thankful. And you, if you missed it yesterday, we did have a good time, but get the CDs. Um, it's, finances, that's an issue where people don't like to talk about. But it's an issue that gets so many people in trouble. And when they finally decide to talk about it, so often it's too late because they're so buried under all the debt that they have. But, you know, if you'll do it God's way, God says, guess what? If you'll do it my way, no matter how bad your situation may look, it's never too late when you trust in God. So we enjoyed ourselves yesterday. We just thankful for the relationship that we have with Pastor Gary and with Peggy and that we can come up and share and just share some practical things. You know, today I just want to talk to you for a little while um, about your finances. Um, I told Pastor Gary the other night, I, I enjoy preaching. I love going around to preach. Um, I, that's, that's just my heart. That's my passion is the, the, the word of God. I, and I truly enjoy that. My wife is my partner in the ministry. I, we were high school sweethearts. Uh, she was in, I, we met in high school and never looked back. I said, I, I got the one I want and I'm gonna hang on to her. I went away to college and she stayed. That's right, brother. There you go. Somebody know what I'm talking about. And so I went away to college and we made it. I went to Georgia. She went to Hampton University and we made it through that long distance. And I say, you know, we made it through that. God, this is this is the one for me. And so now three kids later, 20 some years later, you know what? We still in love like we just met yesterday. My kids hate when I talk like that because I tell I still love my wife. I love your mama. She is the apple of my eye. But, you know, it is a blessing to be here. And just want to share a few things with you today. Um, you know, I, I, I talk to Pastor Gary and I tell people so often, you know, I don't care whether it's three people, ten people, five people, seven people, a thousand people. At Bethel on Sunday, we probably have around 2,500 people at the church. So the, my, the way I preach, I don't care if I'm preaching to me, my wife, and my girls because I've been at churches before where it's just been them, it's been five of us. Well, one, because there was somebody who opened the building for us. You know, but the Word of God, He doesn't say that you carry yourself a certain way based on how many people you talk to, because the bottom line, if one person gets something out of it, if one life is saved, if one soul is changed, God says He's been glorified. We're thankful for that. So, Lord, we thank You for this day. We thank You for this time. We thank You, Father, for yet another opportunity to stand and to proclaim Your Word, Lord. I pray, Father God, that Your Word would fall on fertile ground, and I pray, Lord God, that Everything that we do and everything we say would be done and said to glorify you. Now, Father, let the words of my mouth, let the meditation of my heart, let it be acceptable in your sight, Father, for you are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would, would venture to say that your finances could be better today? I don't mind you raising your hand. I, I, still, I still want mine to get even better because you, you, you don't arrive till you get to the other side. So in knowing that you want your finances to be better, I want to talk to you a little bit. I want to give you some practical, so some principles today. If you, I believe if you'll live by these four principles I give you, if you'll start to do these principles, I believe that will set you on the road to get your finances in order. See, because you've already made it over the first hurdle. The first hurdle is recognizing that you need help with your finances. The first hurdle in anything that you deal with is recognizing that you need help. Until you recognize that you need help, you're still lost. 
So you, you've recognized that, guess what? I need help with my finance. So you've made it over that first bridge, and I believe these four principles I give you will help you to go a little bit further. Let me, let, let me share with you right up front. Let, let's be very honest because I, I'm very realistic. You did not get in debt or financial despair overnight. It took you some time to get where you're at. So when you leave today and you go to bed tonight and wake up in the morning, you're not going to be out of financial despair. You're not going to be out of debt. But you will have some practical principles that you can use, that you can apply to your life, that will get you started on your road to financial freedom. Pastor Gary alluded to it earlier. If you really want to know what freedom is, freedom is knowing that when you get up in the morning, you don't owe anybody anything. You don't have to worry about somebody coming knocking on your door saying, I'm taking that couch back because you didn't pay the bill. You don't have to park your car in the alley because you know you're two payments behind and the repo man is looking for you. Amen. We laugh about that and it is kind of funny, but it's amazing. I go to a lot of churches and I share about finances. It's not just the worldly people who are running hiding their cars. The people who raise their hand on Sunday and shout to God, they hide in their cars also. That's not the way it should be. So let's just, let's just talk to each other for a little while this morning. And I believe if you'll grab a hold of these principles, you'll see some changes in your life. Because think about it. When your financial house is out of whack, everything at home is out of whack. I tell people, if mama's not happy, nobody in the house is happy. A happy wife equals a happy life. A frustrated wife equals a terrible life. Think about it, those who are married. Think about when you come home and mama's all happy and everything, walk the door, she give you a big kiss and everything, and everything is good. You love that. But think about it when you come home and things aren't right. It not only affects your relationship, but guess what? It affects your children also. Because children are very smart. They know when mama and daddy aren't getting along. They know when something's not right. A recent article in Newsweek magazine showed a couple buried under credit card debt. It says Americans are drowning in debt. Everybody's all maxed out. America's been borrowing at records amount, record amounts. Bankruptcies are up 20%. Home foreclosures, you know the situation. Houses are foreclosing every day. But God has a solution to that problem. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Malachi. I'm going to read this scripture, and then I'm going to share some other things with you, then we'll come back to this scripture. Malachi, the third chapter, very familiar verse, Malachi. I'll tell you, I'm very practical. If you're not sure, go to the New Testament, to the book of Matthew, and then go back one book. It's an Old Testament book. It'll bring you back to Malachi. If you don't know where it's at, don't be ashamed. Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Just say, wait a minute, let me get there. I want you to get there with me. Blessed is the man who hears the word, but also blessed is the man who does and reads the word also. Amen. Go to the book of Matthew in the New Testament and just turn back one book. That'll put you at Malachi. We're going to look at Malachi chapter 3. Starting at verse 8. After you, after you, when you get there, say amen. amen. All right. If you're not there yet, say wait a minute. All right. Just want to make sure. Malachi chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 8. Just going to lift up a couple verses for you. It says, will a man rob God? Mm. Yet ye rob me. 
But you ask, how do we rob you, God? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Look what he says in verse 10. Bring the whole tithe. If you got a pen, underline the word whole. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Try me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out so many blessings that they will, you will not have enough room to receive them all. Verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in the fields that you plant will cast fruit in due season, saith the Lord. We're going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that scripture in a little bit here. Gallup poll. Gallup poll reports that 64 percent of couples argue over money. Mm. It's now the number one cause of divorce. 64 percent argue over money, but over 54 percent of our divorces are because of finances and money. He also reported that 74 percent of all people are dis dissatisfied with how they manage their money saying that they're not pleased with the, way, with the way these things are going. They're not pleased with the way they use their money. But I want to give you four principles today that I believe if you'll put these into your life, this will get you started on the road to financial freedom. Here are four principles God says according to his word that if you'll do these things, you'll see a change in your life, in your finances, in your, in your health and everything. Why do I say that? Because if you worry about your finances, worrying only brings sickness into your body. Because we're not called to worry about anything. God says, no, we are to pray about everything. So the first thing I want to talk to us about is keeping good records. Why is it important to keep good records? You need to know where your money is coming from and you need to know where your money goes. The Bible calls this, the Bible calls this the principle of accounting. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verses 23 and 24, it says it talks about record keeping. It talks about how riches can disappear fast. He talks about in Proverbs how you need to know what's coming in and you need to know what's leaving out of your house. Because if you don't know what you have coming in and you just pay things before long, you don't know what you have going out. So first of all, God says, I want you to be a good record keeper of what I've given you. Let me let me read that one in Proverbs for you real quick. I want you to I want you to grab a hold of this today. Proverbs chapter 27. I'll read it to you. Uh, 27 verses 23 and 24. It says, be sure to know the condition, the condition of your flock. Give careful attention to your herds. And what is he talking about here? I know they're talking about flocks and they're talking about animals. In the Old Testament, they had to make sure they knew that their herds and their flocks were in order and where they were. If we took this into today's term, he would say, be sure to know the condition of your finances. Be sure to give attention to where your money comes from and where your money goes. See, because if you don't know what's coming in and you don't know what's going out, how do you ever know what your situation is with your finances? The Bible says if we're going to be blessed by God, we've got to do things God's way. So he says, first of all, we, we have got to be willing to keep good records. It says, so we have to know how to watch over our business interests closely. Obviously, when Solomon wrote this, this several thousand years ago, most people's assets were tied up in their sheep and in their goats. He says, I want you to know the condition of your flock. I want you to know how your, how your livestock is doing because in the, in the biblical days, in the Old Testament, 
Only thing they, they used for finances was when they would go and trade their animals. They would go and sell the animals. He says, and if you don't know how your animals are doing, how can you sell them? You can't sell a sick animal for top price. He says, so know, know where you stand. Today, he would say, know the condition of your stock. Know how much is in your checking account. Don't raise your hands, but I'd be interested to know how many people know exactly what's in their bank account right now. Don't raise your hands. You have to know what you have because if you don't know what you have, as you start to do things, that will get away. And believe me in that, money goes a lot quicker when you don't keep up with it. But when you sit there and you pinch pennies, when you keep good records, when you sit there and write down everything and you keep a good check ledger, that's what we talked about yesterday, just the basics of, of, of managing our finances God's way. And I challenge you, if you don't know what's in your bank account when you go home today, you get you a piece of paper and you keep a ledger. Maybe you like doing it on a computer. Keep it on the computer. But you should know how much is in your bank account to the penny. And I, what I like to do with mine is if I write a check for $30.57, I round it up to $31. And then at the end of the year, you'll be amazed how much change you saved up. But you don't take that change and go spend it. Just take that change and put it back into another savings account. And just leave it there. Those are practical things we can do. He says we need to, we need to know what's in our bank account. We need to, to know what the value of our real estate is. We need to know where we stand financially. God says, if you want to be blessed by me, you've got to do it my way. And I want you to know that you've got to keep good records of everything that I've entrusted to you. What he said is that because remember, what we have does not belong to us. Everything that we have, God is lent it to us for a short time. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. So in other words, if everything around me belongs to God, my car that I have, all this stuff that I have, my clothes, God has allowed me to get these for a short time because he wants to check my heart and see how am I going to handle the little bit he's given me. If I can't be faithful over the little, how can I expect him to give me more? But when you're faithful over the little that God gives you, I believe God smiles in heaven and just says, look at my son, look at my daughter. Then he can trust you with more. Then God can open up and pour more into you. But God says, I've got to be able to trust you first with the little things. So he says, I want you to keep good records. He said, I want you to, I want you to keep good accounting. He says, I want you to be aware of where your money's coming from, and I want you to be aware of where your money's going. We've all heard people say this before, money talks. It, it, it doesn't talk at all. It just slips away quietly when you think about it. People, people, we've heard people talk about how, oh, I, I just got paid, but you know what? I don't have anything to get through the rest of the month because that's not good record keeping. If you get paid on Friday and Saturday, you're wondering where you're going to get money from, it's because you have a management issue. You've got to know where your money's coming from and you've got to know where your money is going. You just think about it. We, we, we've got to learn to be real with ourselves. People say that if you, if you say, I don't know, I don't really keep up with how much comes in. I do from time to time. I check it on my Blackberry. I check it on the computer. But, but I don't really keep up with what's going out. The reason people don't balance their checkbooks is because they're already in financial trouble. And the problem is that they don't want to see how bad it really is. Let me give you a news flash. It's not going to get any better. Until you find out and realize where you're at, nothing is going to change. 
God says, you have to do it my way. That's, we have to be realistic about where we stand financially. Proverbs 23, 23 says, get the facts at any price. In other words, what, what, what Solomon is saying, know where you stand financially, no matter what it takes. Make sure you keep up with what you have. He says, know how you're really doing. If you're married, you need to know how, how, how your family's doing. You need to know how your spouse is doing. But if you're married, you also need to make sure that both of you are on the same page. How many married people here? You and your spouse need to be on the same page with your finances. You can't just have some Bama money that you stick to the side and don't tell mama about it. You, you, you've got to make sure that y'all are on the same page because guess what? If something happens to you, she's got to be able to pick up the books and vice versa. But if you're married to each other, there should be no secrets. Oh, I don't want to tell until I get it all straight. You may, you've been trying for all this time. You haven't gotten it straight yet. You're not going to get it straight. Maybe if you sit down together, you sit down and write up a budget, you write up a plan, and watch what God will do in your life. God didn't put you together for you to go your separate ways. God brought you together that you would share when times are good, but when times are hard, you would crown each other's shoulders and share with each other also. He says, don't, don't keep your spouse in the dark about what you're doing. You need to know that. The Bible teaches there are four things that you always need to keep good records of. If you're taking notes, write these four down. Four things you need to keep good records of. First is, I need to know what I own. What is mine? So if somebody come try to get it, I can tell them, no, that one's mine. You can't have that one. What I own. What I owe. If you don't know what you owe to people, how do you ever get to a point to where you pay it off and get rid of it? What I own, what I owe, you need to know what you earn. How much money do you really make? It's amazing. Most people don't have a clue how much money they make. Yes, I do, because I get my check and I look down at the net pay. That's not what you make. You make much more. If you get benefits at work, that's part of your pay. You need to know what you make. But most of all, you need to know where it all goes. What I own, what I owe, what I earn, but where does what I make really go? You need to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. These four things, we need to grab a hold of these things, and when we get these things under control, we make a list of these things. Make a list when you go home today of what you own. Those are called your assets. Make a list of what you owe. That's your liabilities. And then start to chip away at that stuff that you owe. That's how you, you, you have to take it a little bit at a time. You eat the elephant piece by piece by piece. You don't sit down and swallow the whole elephant. You got to do a little bit at a time. Solomon was a great man of wisdom. Solomon was, one of the rich, was the richest man to ever live. But he got it a little bit by a little bit by a little bit. I don't care what your financial situation is. I don't care how much money you make or how little money you make. If you purpose in your heart that you want to be financially free and you want to be debt free, I can sit with you and you can become debt free. But you don't understand, I only make $10,000 a year. You can still become debt free. Because debt, being debt free is not based on how much you make. It's based on how you manage what you have. That's what makes the difference. Being debt free is not based on how much you make. Because see, we say well, if I made more, I could get there quicker. No, every time we make more, we spend more. 
If I made a little bit more, okay, I made a little more, oh, I need a new shirt, I need a new pair of shoes. No, it's not, you, you don't get there because you make more. You get there when you take what you make and you sit down and be honest with yourself and say, you know what, I'm gonna take what I make and now I'm gonna start to chip away at these things. I'm gonna change my lifestyle. I'm gonna stop buying just because I see something and think I gotta have it. I'm not gonna try to keep up with the Joneses any longer. That's the problem. We're, we're, we're compulsive. We keep up. We, we, we envy other people because they get a new car. We feel we need a new car. If the Joneses go bankrupt, do you want to go bankrupt? Think, think about it. We, we, we do that out of envy. And the Bible talks about and we're not to be envy of anybody. What you do, you live according to the principles of God. And when God feels he can trust you with another vehicle, guess what? God will make a way for you to get another vehicle. But what, is it, what, what good is it for you to drive a brand new car and you living at home with mama and all your children? No, don't worry about a new car. Take you and your wife and go find you a place to live on your own so that you can do it the right way. See, it's, it, it, this is not rocket science. It's very practical. But you know what the hardest thing to release to God is? Our finances. You get sick. Or we'll fall on our knees and we'll say, oh, Lord, please heal. We'll cry out to God. We'll lift our hands. We'll cry. Lord, please heal my body. Lord, please save my family. Lord, do this and do that. But when it comes to our wallet, Lord, you can't mess with that. We don't ask God to intervene until we get so far down the road that guess what? The bank won't loan us any money. Benevolence and the pastor can't help anymore. My friends won't answer their phone. Mom and daddy say, I can't. We get, so, we get to the end of the road where no one else will help us. Then we lay down and say, you know what? God, you got to help me. If you don't help me, what am I going to do? But you know what I, what I like about that? God is such a good God. Even when we do that, God still says, even though you were disobedient, guess what? I'm still going to help you get through this situation. That's the type of God we serve. So we've got we've to keep, we've, we've keep good records. Second of all, we've got to plan what we spend. We've got to plan what we spend. This is nothing more than the principle of budgeting. You have to make a budget. People don't like sitting down to do that. That's tedious, they say. But if you're going if you, if to live according, if you're going to manage your finances God's way, you're going to have to plan what you spend. And sometimes planning what you spend means you've got to tell your children no. My children will tell you they know. Sometimes they, they're like, Dad, Dad, you hard. No, I'm helping you for your future. Because I want you to know that just because you see it, you can't have it all the time. I got this thing I do. This really gets them. We go out to eat at the restaurant. So we'll sit down to eat. And so the waitress will come. And Cameron, my, my youngest one, she's nice. She's over there. They'll, they'll tell the waitress, uh, yeah, we want iced tea or Coke or whatever. And so I tell the waitress, I say, ma'am, let me set some guidelines, some rules for you. Now, you see those three beautiful women? None of them have jobs. So anything you bring them to ask for, you need to be willing to pay for it. If not, you better ask us to, what can they have? Because they'll tell you to bring them Coke. They'll tell you to get them dessert. They'll say get them the burger with everything on it. No, they don't work. They can't make those choices. You better talk to the parents who are going to pay your tip today. Because I hate for your tip to be gone because you brought them all the stuff that they asked for. And y'all are laughing, but do I say, I tell them that. Got to establish some guys because I want my kids to grow up. The Bible says this. Blessed is the man who leaves something for his children, but blessed is the man really who leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Good, good. So, see, I want to start to pour into them 
I want them to grab a hold of this thing so when they become of age, they'll know how important it is to manage their finances. I don't want them thinking they got to go marry somebody to take care of them. I want them to know that, guess what, they can stand on their own feet. Now, marriage, I do want them to get married. I believe in that. But I don't want so often women get married thinking, oh, this man's going to take care of them. No, no. I want my girls to know they can take care of themselves. When they get married, that's a pleasure. But they don't have to rush into it because they're going to be set already. But, see, you've got to teach those principles. We, we, we've got to do budgeting. Our, your kids, if your kids have bank accounts, let them see what's in their bank account. My kids get money. I put money in their account each week for them, like $5. And so they'll go to the bank and take out like $50, and they had 90 and they see it drop to 40 When they see that thing just by the click of a mouse drop down to $40, they understand how quick money comes and how quick money goes. But if you just always give, 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 they never get a concept. Then you wonder when they grow up why they don't have anything. We've got to teach them. We've got to teach them how to budget. He says, plan your spending. Plan your spending. It's nothing, but, it's nothing more than a budget. I challenge you, go home and if you don't have a budget, sit down and do a budget. Write some goals out for your budget. Say to yourself, I've got all this debt, but I've got to get rid of it. Take, take this debt that I have. Take the highest credit card, the credit card with the highest interest on it, and start to pay that off first. Don't, you know, if, if the minimum payment is $25, find a way that you can pay $30. But you've got to sit down, you've got to make a budget, you've got to plan your spending, and you've got a purpose in your heart that you're going to make a change. A budget, is, a budget is nothing more than just planning how you spend your money. A budget is telling your money where you want it to go rather than your money telling you where to send it. Think about it. A budget is you telling your money where you want it to go versus your money telling you where it's going. Our money tells us where it's going every time we don't know where we spend it at or whenever we have more month than we have money. It's because we have not planned our spending. You don't have to buy everything you see right away. You can wait for a while. If you don't, if you don't have cash, we have this thing where if we don't have cash to buy, we just wait. We save the money until we have enough. We write in the budget. We save until we get enough money to go pay cash for it. Because it's great to pay cash for things because nobody can come and take it from you. If you go and get that whole house full of furniture on credit and you have some issues, they can come empty your whole house out. But when you own it for yourself, they can't take it from you. But you've got to plan your spending. You've got to have a budget in place so you'll know where your money's going and how you're spending your money. Amen? You've, got to, you, you've just got to be honest with yourself. That's really what it boils down to. You've got to be realistic and be honest and say, you know what? I'm in trouble and I need help. The word of God lays out a great financial. He gives us a plan to get out of debt, but he says we've got to do it his way. But if you never open the word, if you never study the word, if you don't find somewhere that they're teaching the word, guess what? You're going to keep stumbling and stumbling and stumbling. And before you know it, you're going to be 60, 70, 80 years. Sit back and say, boy, I wish I would have. I told myself a long time ago, I never want to look back and say, I wish I would have. Because you can't change that. You, right now, wherever you're at, whatever your age may be, you've got to start where you're at. You can't go back and redo 20 years ago. You can't go back and redo 10 years. No matter where you're at right now, no matter what your situation, you've got a purpose in your heart. I'm going to start from today. I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, it doesn't matter. But I'm going to start from where I'm at right now. God, as of this day, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm not going to keep doing what I've been doing because what I've been doing has gotten me to where I'm at and where I'm 
I'm at, I'm not happy with, so I've got to change what I've been doing. So God, from this point on, all of this I have belongs to you. You take it, you show me how to do it. God, it's going to be hard, it's going to be tough, but I'm going to hang in there because I know if I keep doing what you tell me to do, the best is yet to come. But you've got to make up in your mind that you're willing to do that. You've got to say that no matter what, God, I'm going to make it through this thing. I'm not going to throw the towel in. I'm not going to give up. My future is going to be a great future. I know you've promised me some things. I have some dreams. I'm going to see those dreams come to pass. I know it's been hard. I know I've made some mistakes. I know I haven't done everything you told me to do. But guess what? You told me if I'll come to you, if I'll repent, you will wipe the slate clean. So, Lord, from this day forth, the slate is wiped clean. I'm not going back down that road of financial disaster again. So we've got to make sure we have a budget. We've got to plan our spending. Third, we have to save for the future. We have to save for the future. The Bible tells us it's a mark of wisdom when we save for the future. Proverbs 21 and 20 says it like this. The wise man saves what he has, for when the future comes, he will be, able, he will be ready to deal with it. So we've got to save for the future. We, we, we've got to, excuse me, we've got to know that when we save for the future, we're just preparing because we know one day things may come that may, that may be a little tougher than they are right now. He says you've got to have something saved up in Proverbs. It talks about the ant. I don't know if you ever read that. You get a chance to read back about the ant. The ant who has no king, no ruler, no nothing. But the ant knows in the summertime that winter's coming. So the ant goes and grabs all of the food they need. They come and they stockpile it so when the winter comes, they can sit back and not have to worry about the winter. The way I like to interpret that is like this. This is not the Bible. This is Pastor Kelvin's version. While I'm young and I'm able to work, I need to work as hard as I can and as smart as I can because one day I will grow old if the Lord says so and I won't be able to work like I can now. But if I'll do it now while I'm young, then when I'm old, I can sit back and reap the benefits of what I did when I was young. So you've got to make sure you save for the future. You've got to make sure that you, you have a plan for the future. And so often we'll say, well, I've got time. It's amazing. I'm 45, 46 years old. Seemed like I was just 20. Time waits for nobody. And that's what you've got to realize. So you've got to, you've got to make sure you save for the future. You, you've got to make sure that no matter what comes your way, you've got to have money put aside. Because how many of you know things pop up sometimes? And they always pop up at the most inopportune time. You know, you think you back up on your feet. You think everything going well. You get in the car, crank it up, and you hear something go bloop, bloop. The tire done blowed out. It's like, come on, now I just got some extra change in my pocket. But see, if you save and you plan for the future, you don't, those things don't, they, they come, but they don't bother you when they come. So we've got to make sure we, we plan our spending. We need, we need a budget. We need, to, we need to save for the future. But lastly, most importantly, we've got to make sure we return a tenth back to God. That's what tithing is. Look back at Malachi again. That's what tithing is all about. The word tithing means tenth. We must return a tenth back to God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says, will a man rob God? This is, when I, this is, a, this is a conversation. God's having a conversation. He says, will a man rob God? Yet ye robbed me. But you say, how did we rob you? 
in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you have robbed me. This is the principle of tithing. First comes, first you have to do your accounting. Second, you need a budget. Then you've got to make sure you save for the future. And then comes tithing. We, 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 we've got to give God that portion that belongs back to him. Malachi said it like this in, in verse 10. Bring to my storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. Test me in this, says the Lord. I will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you will not have enough room to receive. He says the first 10 percent. If I make a hundred bucks, the first 10 bucks goes back to God. Why did God say that? Yeah, I, that, that doesn't matter. I, I don't know. That, I don't care why he said. I just know what he said. I don't know why he said 10%. He could have said give him 20, 30, 40, 50, or 60. But God said just give me 10%. And if you'll give God the 10%, he'll take that 90% and stretch it further than the 100% could ever go if you don't give it to him at all. And I'm not telling you what I think. I'm not telling you somebody else's testimony. But I'm telling you what we've been through. We know when, we, when you tithe. God will make a way. You know the best time to test God in tithing is when you don't have anything. See, because when you have something, then you think it's yourself. But when you're down to your last dime, when you don't have a penny in your pocket and you give God what you're supposed to give God, when you test God there, you know what? Then you've got to sit back and watch God be God. And you know, God says, I'm not a man that I should lie, nor the son of man that I would change my mind. God says, if you'll give me what I asked of you and you sit back, once you give it, you have nothing else left. God says, in due season, I'll come back and I will give you that that you need. But see, God does not tell us when he's going to give it to us so we get impatient. No, God says, just do what I tell you to do. And when you do it, I am going to make sure that what I promise you comes to pass. He says, give me 10 percent. God could have said now. God could have said, give me 90 and you keep the 10. But see, God knew He said, I don't want to make you stumble already. He said, 10 is going to be a 10 is going to be tough enough for you. He said, but if you give me the 10th. And don't give it to me anytime. See, we miss it. God said, don't give me the leftovers. Don't give me the crumbs. God says, give me the tenth first. He says, bring that tenth to the storehouse first. He could have asked, he could have asked for any amount because it's all his in the first place. He, he, he could have said, give me everything. But he says, no, give me a tenth. Why, why, why does God want us to do this? Obviously, God really doesn't need our money. But why does God ask us to bring that tenth? He, he, God, God already owns everything. The Bible tells us there's three reasons why he asked us to do this, why he says, bring, bring the tithe, bring the tenth to me. The first is that it's an act of gratitude. It says, God, I just want to remind myself that everything I have comes from you. And the way I remind myself of that is when I get my first, I'm going to take yours out first, and I'm going to make sure yours gets to the storehouse. The storehouse is what? The storehouse is where you are fed. The storehouse is where you are taught the Bible, where you learn the Bible, where you come in and your soul is edified. That's what the storehouse is. Well, I get my, I get fed at home. I watch the TV preacher. You can't tie to your TV. You've got, the Bible says, don't forsake yourself from the assembling of the brethren. In other words, that means you need to find a house where you can go and worship, where you can go and serve, where you can be taught. And that's where you need to put your tithe. So he says, first, it's an act of gratitude. Second, it's an act of priority in the present. It says, God, 
I want you to be number one in my life and to prove it, I'm putting, I'm putting you first in my money. So first, it's an act of gratitude. Second, it's an act of priority in the present. So I want you to be first. If you, if you want to know what's first place in your life, you know how the best place you can find out, the best way you find out what, what's first in people's lives? Go look at their checkbook. Go look at their checkbook, and that'll tell you what's most important in their life. If their checkbook is full of Macy's and Dillard's and Target and J.C. Penney's or whatever, shopping is their God. Think about it. If, they're, if you look in their, their, not even a checkbook, if you look at their little bank account that they print out, if it's TGIF Fridays and Piccadilly's and Vinny's and all these other places, guess what? Eating out has become their God. The best way to find out what's first in someone's life is look at their checkbook or, or look at their bank statement you'll see where most of their money goes because where your money goes is where your time goes. So if you're spending all your time in the mall, spending all your money at the mall, guess what? That's what has become the God of your life. So he says we, 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 we've got to make sure, first of all, it's, it's an act of gratitude. Then it's an act of priority. Third, it's a statement of faith. Tithing is, is a statement of faith. Because for you to go and know you don't have anything left, that money you have, you know you could use that to pay another bill. But to say, you know what, God, I'm going to give you yours first, that's really a statement of your faith. What you're saying is, God, if I got to sit in the dark, I believe you'll show up. If I got to go without food in my cupboard, I believe you'll send me food from somewhere, God. But, God, I refuse to go back on my faith. I've come too far, God, to turn back now. This is a statement of my faith, Lord. That's why I bring my first to you, Lord. He says the statement of our faith. God knows. God, I know that all the promises of the Bible are true. So to prove this, God, I'm going to trust you with the first thing that I have. I'm going to give you the tenth that rightfully belongs to you. Why? Because, God, I've tried it on my own for a long time. But now, Lord... I want to do it your way. Look at that verse. There's one other thing in that verse that I'm going to be done. We so often read this, we so often read this verse here, and we stop at verse 10. We read this chapter. We stop verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I won't throw it in the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive. We usually stop right there. But look at verse 11. Verse 11 is the promise. Verse 11 is the joy. Verse 11 is that one that tells you, you know what? Weeping may endure for a night, but your joy will come no more. Look at verse, look what he says in verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, saith the Lord Almighty. God says, if you'll bring the tenth to me, if you'll do it first, if you'll do it my way, he says, guess what? I'll keep your refrigerator working. That car that seemed like it always act up, I'll make sure that car gets you back and forth to work so that you might have income. In other words, he says, what God said, God is saying, when you do this, I'm going to show you that I'm God. I've had to do it before. We pay our tithe. I'm like, God, there's none left. And here go the bills. You know what I do? I say, God, those bills belong to you. I'm going to sleep because I've done my part. You told me to bring my tithe. I paid my tithe. Now I got these bills left, Lord. I'm going, I'm putting my head on the pillow, and I'm going night-night. God, you've got to make a way to make this happen. That's nothing wrong with that. What you're doing is proving God that God is God. 
So next time you, if you've done it right and you, you seem to be going under, you take those bills away and you lay them on the and say, God, you got to make a way out of these. I never forget there was a, I had a light bill, it was like $101. I said, God, I got to get this thing paid because then we've struggled in our life before. We have not always had, but we've always kept God first. Bill was $101. I said, God, you got to make a way. Someone brought me $105. So not only did God make a way, God gave me a little extra change that I may have something else to show that, guess what? Look how good I am once again. God says, prove me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive. But we've got to do it his way. We've got to plan our spending. We've got to have good accounting. We've got to make sure we do a budget. And we've got to also never forget to give God the tenth which belongs to him. Nothing we have is ours in the first place. Think about how good a God we serve. He says, only give me 10% of it. You keep the 90 and watch what I'll do. Lord, we thank you for this.